Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So, can't you just see Joseph in Egypt with this low opinion of himself? He's meeting Egyptians, and he's saying, how are you? Now, you know, there's two ways to say, how are you? You know, one is, how are you doing? How's it going? Well, my mother just died. That's great. Good. See you later. You know, I mean, or the other way is to really mean it, which is what Joseph would do. How are you? How are you? You really want to know. And, And isn't this the same Joseph that we saw when he was a prisoner in the prison with Pharaoh's baker and his butler? When Joseph saw that they were sad, and it said in Genesis 40, verse 6, Genesis 40, verse 6, Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? I mean, this is the sensitive, this is the sensitivity in Joseph. This is Joseph, the sensitive person. He made himself low so that he could feel the inner pain and the suffering of other people. I mean, he didn't have such a high opinion of himself that he insulated himself from others. So it's obvious from what Joseph says here, if I found grace in your eyes, that Joseph has taken the time with these servants to find grace in their eyes. He's taken the time with these servants of Pharaoh to ask how they were, to try to help everyone he could. See, and this is the history of Joseph. This history of Joseph is one of where Joseph is feeling and he's caring and he's listening and he's helping others. And that's what Joseph is now appealing to when he asks, when he says to these servants in verse four, if now I have found grace in your eyes, speak, I pray you in the ears of Pharaoh. Now, Going back into this history of Joseph and humbling himself to feel, to care, to listen, to help the servants of, of, of Pharaoh, he didn't, Joseph did not do this because he was thinking to himself, I better be nice, I better be caring to these slaves because who knows, you never know when I might need them someday, so I better put some money in that bank so I can draw it out later. No, that wasn't Joseph. That was not Joseph. Joseph was not motivated in his kind relationship for, with the slaves because of what he was going to get in return. He was just kind. He was approachable. And, 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 he, and, and Joseph hated pride, and so and he wanted to humble himself. What an example Joseph is to us, to humble ourselves and open the door of our hearts to, to, to be able to care and to feel and to listen to other people and, and, and help them. You know, it's so easy in life. It's so easy in life to be the turtle, you know? I mean, the turtle... In life, you know, the turtle thinks everyone's his enemy. I know, I have a couple of turtles. I can't even get close to them, you know. They're always running away. 
because they always think they're going to get caught and eaten. You know, it's so easy in life to be the turtle instead of to be the Labrador. You know, we need to be the Labrador. The Labrador is everybody's friend, you know. All right. Now, we don't read in the Bible of Joseph taking an oath or swearing to do something in any other place in the Scriptures except for here. And this is the only oath that Joseph took, and it was to bury his father in Canaan. And so what, what, what could be considered the most important thing that Joseph had to do before he died, he humbles himself, asks slaves to request for him. Shows them how much he trusts God. I mean, he didn't ask the slaves to, 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 to you know, he didn't say, you know, I'm going to ask these slaves because I don't want to go. I'm lazy. I don't know. He, it, it wasn't because Joseph was lazy that, that, that he asked the slaves. I mean, he was diligent. We know that about him. He was a hard worker, so, but he was working hard in a different area. He was working hard in prayer to God. You can be sure of that. He was working hard asking God to open the door for him to let him bury his father in Canaan. And I'm sure when we get to heaven, I'm sure when we get to heaven, we're going to see so clearly the great power that God has put in our hands through prayer while we were here on earth. And we're going to be amazed at how we didn't use that power and how we didn't take that power seriously when the Lord Jesus said in John 14, John 14, 13, whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And then he goes on right in the next verse and he says, if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. You know what the Lord is doing there? He's saying, ask, ask. Will you ask already? No. As we have such power in prayer. We have such power in prayer. And that's where Joseph was putting all of his energy for getting Pharaoh to grant permission was in prayer. We have power in prayer. You know, last Wednesday, uh, last Wednesday night, uh, really I was at the end of my rope. I had suffered 14 and a half hours with atrial fibrillation, where my heart was beating at 180 beats per minute. And I was just at the end. So I'd gone to a hospital to have a cardiologist do an echocardiogram on my heart at that point, just to make sure I didn't have a clot in there because that would cause other problems. Not that I need more, but anyway. And, and so, you know, a, a, after the procedure, the echocardiogram, the ultrasound, he led me into his office and he put such pressure on me I have to be admitted to the hospital immediately. Look, you're sweating. You've got all the symptoms. You've got low blood pressure. You're not going to get enough to your heart. You've got to go into the hospital immediately. You've got to get on IV drugs. We're going to do a cardiac shock therapy. Then we're going to do a cryoablation. Oh, I know you have the radio frequency ablation. That's no good. Oh, we got a better one. Anyway, and all I could think of as I was sitting there was that I was a $300 patient, and he wanted to turn me into a $30,000 patient. <laughs> And I was sweating after 14 and a half hours, you know. And I was thinking, you know, I was thinking to myself, you know, I re- and, and I remembered the cat we had. The cat we had, his name was Mauser. It was a great cat. And uh, Siamese, part of Siamese. And we had a great relationship with Mauser. Very good relationship. He would meet us when he'd come home. He would talk to us. We would talk to him. He was a very understanding cat. Anyway, but Mauser got old, and he used to have a lot of battles with the with the opossums and the coyotes. And, and then we always knew when he had this battle because he would end up on the roof and he'd stay there for three days and he would talk to us from the roof. Anyway, and, and, and sometimes Mauser would just, he'd get torn up by the coyotes and the opossums. 
And, you know, you know, he was cut and everything. So we'd put him in the box. We had a box. We took him to the vet in this box. And the vet would, would you know, look at Mauser and go through the same description. He'd say, you know, Mauser, he, 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 he needs very special, expensive geriatric care. He used to say, geriatric care, which just meant that it was going to be a bill of at least $400 to sew him up. Anyway, so the discussion's going on about the geriatric care, and Mauser's in the box, and the vet and us are in there, and Mauser's kind of looking here, looking, he's listening, you know? And, and, and then when, when, when the vet would come in with the stitches, because we'd, we'd put Mauser on the table and put the box on the floor, when, the vet, when, he, when, when you see the vet come in with the stitches, then Mauser would jump off the table and get in the box. <laughs> As if to say, okay, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Well... Sitting in that, cardi- in that chair with a cardiologist, I felt like Mauser the cat. That, that jump in the box. I'm saying, let's go. And I'm sitting there and all this is going on. And then all of a sudden, I felt something in my chest. And I, and, 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 and I, and I thought, what is that? And I went and checked it. And I thought, oh, I'm out of AFib. I just, what they call cardio converted. And I felt so great. You know, the cardio. I said, I'm, I, it just left. He says, well, the cardiologist says, as soon as you get out of that chair, you're going to be out of it again. I said, well, then I'll stay in the chair. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, I cardio converted, and I checked my watch, and it was 8, 10 p.m. That was Wednesday night. Normally, I would have been in prayer meeting here at the chapel. So that night, later on, I called Jean Mater. There she is. And, and I, and who was in the prayer meeting, and I asked her, when, when did you, did you pray for me? Yeah, it was the first one we prayed for. When did you go to prayer? She said, well, I, I looked at my watch, and we broke up for prayer at 8.08, and you were one of the first things we prayed for. God loves to answer prayer. And, and you know, there was a man's son who was healed by the Lord, and, and, and when the Lord told his father that his son was healed, the father checked the time. It says in John 4.52, John 4.52, Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend, and they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew it was at the same hour in the which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed in his whole house. All right, so now in verse 6, God does work in Pharaoh's heart, and he gives Joseph permission to leave. He says that, verse 6, Go up, bury thy father, according as he hath made you swear. Now, Joseph now goes to Canaan in, in verse 79, 7 and 9. Verse 7 and 9. Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his house, all the elders of the land of Egypt, all the house of Joseph, and his brethren, and his father's house, only their little ones, their flocks, and their herds. They left in the land of Goshen, and there went up with him both chariots and horsemen. It was a very great company. I mean, what a scene that was. I mean, that, that's amazing. You know, God, after all, God has gone through a lot of trouble here in these two verses, 7 to 9, to carefully detail for us all the different groups that were in this great burial procession. Sounds like the biggest burial procession ever to go bury Jacob. And, and he's got a purpose in this. I mean, uh, again, who were the groups? Who were the groups in verse 7? Who was the first group? Servants of Pharaoh. What's the second group? Elders of Pharaoh's house. Third group, elders of the land, all the elders of the land. Verse 8, next group, all house of Joseph, next group, all of his brothers, next group, all of Jacob's house, verse 9, 
Next group, last group. Chariots and horsemen. That's a something, you know. Well, you know, they needed chariots and horsemen to provide protection and provision for the trip, after all. I mean, can you picture all of this? I mean, it's, is it any wonder at the end of verse 9 it says, it was a very great company? <laughs> I mean, just imagine the size of this group. I mean, really, was there anyone left in Egypt? I mean, and Pharaoh, he must have been pretty lonely there in the castle. He was the only one left behind. I mean, just think of all those high-ranking Egyptian officials. All the elders from all the land of Egypt were in this thing. And think of the Canaanites when they, when they looked at, the, look at this, this, this procession and they said, who was so important from Egypt that they're going to bury? And then they hear, it's Jacob. And they go, Jacob? Was, was Jacob, did he become a high-ranking official in Egypt? No. Well, did, was he a mighty conquering general, you know, in, in the Egyptian army? No. Was his sword dripping with the blood of the Egyptian enemies? No. Was he in the royal family? No. Well, who was he? Just a common person. Just a common person. He was a shepherd who lived most of his life in tents and, and whose wealth really consisted of cattle that he owned. And Oh, by the way, he was a great wrestler with God who wouldn't let God go until he blessed him. And, 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 and that was the point that made him so great. From that point in Jacob's life, Jacob had a home beyond this earth. He had a home beyond this world. He had a home with God who blessed him, and he was just glad to leave the world. And yet, this is one of the largest funerals processions recorded in the Bible. Now, we know why Jacob received this type of funeral. It was because he was the father of Joseph, obviously. Okay, then, who was Joseph? Same questions. Was Joseph a high-ranking royal from the royal family? No. Was he some kind of conquering Egyptian, you know, his sword was red with the blood of the enemies? No. Well, who was he? Joseph was a man who saved men alive. He saved men alive from death. Joseph was a man who was the king's faithful servant. Joseph was both the, the counselor to the rich man and he was the friend to the poor man. That was Joseph. Joseph was each, and because of all that, Joseph was Egypt's national treasure. It was his national treasure. I mean, isn't that the description of the Lord Jesus? The Lord Jesus was a man who saved men alive from hell. The Lord Jesus was the father's faithful servant. The Lord Jesus was the counselor to the rich man, and he was the friend to the poor man. And, and, and as they honored Jacob in his death, really they were honoring Joseph, even today we regularly honor the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because of Proverbs 10.7. Proverbs 10.7, the memorial service, the communion service, the memorial service is the, is the bringing back the memory of the Lord. It says in Proverbs 10, 7, the memory of the just is blessed. The memory of the just is blessed. The name of the wicked shall rot. Now, when you, think, you look at this description for, for Jacob's uh, funeral, burial, it's such a contrast to the, there's a, there's a recurring description that happens in the Bible that describes this type of thing, the death and the burial, the death and the burial. And it goes like this. 
for the kings of Israel, for the kings of Israel. 1 Kings 2.10. So David slept with his father. He was buried in the city of David. 1 Kings 11, 1 Kings 11, 43. 1 Kings 11, 43. Anyway, Solomon slept with his father, buried in the city. And it says in 1 Kings 14.31, Rehoboam slept with his fathers, buried with the father, buried in the city of David. Abijam, I'm not going to give the references. I'm say, Abijam slept with his fathers. They buried him in the city of David. Asa slept with his fathers, buried in the city of, his Dave, of David. Jehoshaphat slept with his father, buried with his fathers in the city of David. Joram slept with his fathers, buried with his fathers in the city of David. Ahiza buried him with his fathers in the city of David. Amaziah buried at Jerusalem with his fathers in the city of David. Azariah slept with his fathers, they buried him with the fathers in the city of David. Jotham slept with his fathers, buried with him in the city of David. Ahaz slept with his fathers, buried with his fathers in the city of David. See all these kings, one right after the other, same description. Buried with the fathers in the city of David. But not here. Not here. This is an elaborate, elaborate, elaborate funeral. Nothing like this for all the kings. Nothing elaborate. They just died. They were buried. Next thing going on. But, but, but here, not for... Jacob has this big description in, in verses 7 to 9. Why? Why? Why did God tell us about all the details of this great burial procession and the size of it? I mean, what lesson is there that God is trying to teach us from the size of this procession to bury Jacob? Well, to see why God did this, we need to go back and see how what, what, what Jacob said was going to be his burial. And back in Genesis 42.38, Genesis 42.38, Jacob said, he said, my son shall not go down with you. His brother is dead. He's left alone. If mischief befall him by the way which he go, then shall you bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now remember here how, how, how Jacob is speaking to his sons. He's so upset with them because it, and, and in this moment of, being, of emotional outbreak, he's really revealed how he feels. I mean, he thought they killed Joseph. They, they, they saw, and he saw that Benjamin is likely not to live as a result of them. And so he turns to his sons and he accuses them of bringing his gray hairs down with sorrow to the grave. And then in another emotional outbreak in Genesis 42, 36, Genesis 42, 36, says, Jacob, their father, said unto them, me have you bereaved of my children. Joseph is not, Simeon is not, and you will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. So here, Jacob, again, he's directly accusing his sons of being responsible for the death of Joseph, which he thought, the likely death of Simeon and, and Benjamin. And he gives this stinging accusation when he says, me, have you bereaved of my children? Talks to them. And then it's almost like he's talking to God when he says, all these things are against me. God, why did you let all these things happen to me? Because I can't take it any longer. Everything is too much for me to bear. It's your fault for it. Anyway. So he's convinced how, how Joseph has died and Jen, Benjamin's going to die and so forth like that. And, 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 and can't you just picture God in heaven when, when, jo, when Jacob is saying all those things and God said, I heard those thoughts. I heard that, Jacob. And can't you picture God in heaven shaking his head and saying, is that really what you believe, Jacob? that you're going to die in some obscure, forgotten, lonely uh, manner with your, with your two favorite children, Joseph and Benjamin, dead before you? Well, then and you can picture God saying, well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, Jacob. Just because you feared that 
I'm going to make you have the most elaborate, largely attended death and burial and funeral ever. So farthest thing from some obscure, forgotten thing going out to the grave with your gray hairs and all that. And as for your fear that Joseph and Benjamin had died before you, Joseph is going to lead the procession, and, and Benjamin will be close to high, close behind. And can you imagine now Jacob and heaven reading this, remembering it actually, when he said all those things, me have you bereaved of my children, and all these things are against me, saying, guess I jumped the gun. Guess I jumped the gun. I wish I'd been more trusting. I wish I'd been more rejoicing than I was as a believer. So what this shows us is that the dark thoughts came on Jacob, and he, had, he should have resisted them. Should have resisted them. And those dark thoughts come on us too. Those dark thoughts come on us with the me have you bereaved of your children. It's just a dark time in, in Jacob's life, and he wasn't trusting God, and he needed to resist, and, and all these things were against me, you know, too much for me to bear. It's just a dark time. It had to be resisted. Okay, now, look at this great group of Egyptians who are coming there, and, and, they're, and, they're, and, and another thought is like, uh, we look at all those Egyptians and we say, who are they marching for? Jacob. Jacob who? Jacob the Hebrew. <laughs> all right. Now, is this the same Hebrews that we read about in, in, in Genesis 43.32? Genesis 43.32, where it says, the Egyptians set on for him by himself and for them by themselves, and for the Egyptians which should eat with him by themselves, because the Egyptians might not eat bread with the Hebrews, that's an abomination unto the Egyptians. Well, it was an abomination for an Egyptian to even eat with a Hebrew? And here's the father of the Hebrews, and all the Egyptians are in deep mourning for his death, and all the leaders in Egypt are are making this several-day trip to Canaan to bury the father, and then mourning there for seven days when they're there? Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, 
teaching, creation museum, and tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Get into the Christmas spirit this year with the Friendship with God Christmas album and hymnal book. With over 50 different arrangements on holiday classics, this four-disc set features solo vocalists, group ensembles, and classical piano tracks, and is perfect for road trips, family get-togethers, and holiday parties. In addition to the audio CDs, you'll also receive a copy of the largest hymnal ever published. Containing over a thousand hymns and melodies, this hardbound hymnal book and CD set make for a great gift this holiday season. Order this Christmas bundle today for just $29.99 online at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information, call 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104.